How many of you are in the Christmas spirit? <laughs> Hopefully you got some hot chocolate out, out, outside uh, just a moment ago as we are in our Christmas at the Movies series. I, I laughed right before I walked up on here. My oldest son sits in, the ser- in a service with me, and then he serves another service or two uh, in our Radiate Kids. And he took a, <laughs> a huge swallow of hot chocolate right, right before the prayer. And he just looked at me. He's like, oh, that's hot. And I was like, well, it's hot. Chocolate, so I mean it kind of makes sense, but hopefully you got some of that and, and got your marshmallows in. You can go ahead and turn in or on your Bibles to Luke chapter one. Luke chapter one is where we're really hanging out today as we are the movie that we're connecting everything with is the Polar Express. We'll get to that in a moment. Hey, listen, if you call Radiate Church home, if this is your church, I, I want to talk to you about something real quick. Uh, if you're a guest here, uh, you get to celebrate with us and hear kind of a challenge uh, for, for the people that call this place home, and we're grateful to have you. Man, I can't wait to see Radiate Kids up here on this stage next week. You know what I'm saying? Anybody with me? Your kids, my kids, we're going to be singing and, and worshiping together. Hey, it's been a great year at Radiate. I want to celebrate a few things with you because you had a massive hand in this. Every week we talk about there's multiple ways that we worship God here at Radiate. We worship through song, we worship through generosity, and we worship through the Word. Um, and we worship through relationships with others and his children. And because of your generosity, you've helped make a ton of things happen this year. And I want to celebrate some of, it, some of it as we were meeting with our overseers, one of the boards of accountability that we have here at the church. Um, man, they were blown away by what you've allowed God to do uh, through you and through this ministry this year. And I believe what's celebrated is repeated. So can we celebrate for just a minute what God's done here at Radiate? Uh, just this year alone, I'm going to give you some statistics. It's only a few things. We, we capture tons of metrics here at Radiate, and um, we do it for everywhere else. I think you should for church, too. And I want to tell you what God's done. Just this year alone, God has allowed us to increase our attendance by 28% this year. Come on, somebody. It's amazing. Watch this. This one touches my heart. This one's even more important to me. Um, We've seen 26% more baptisms this year. Come on, somebody. 26%. That's incredible. Engage. Engage is a session that we go through to help people understand the mission, vision, and values of our church uh, as they jump onto a team. And so this year, Engage has jumped 55% this year alone. Come on, somebody. Amen. We've got well over 200 people. We've got over 200 people that serve on teams here at Radiate Church. And let's a sidebar. If you're missing out on serving a team, you are really missing out, man. Uh, the bigger the church gets and the more services we add, um, it's harder to connect with everybody. We understand that. One way you can do that is through teams. Another way is through life groups. When you serve on a team, you use your ability. You connect with more people. you got a team and a family to, to, to call. And then we life groups, speaking of life groups, it's a way we connect and do life here at Radiate. Life groups were up 29% this year. Come on, somebody. Come on, man. I love it so much. And here's some uh, cool stories and, and just little anecdotes that we took play, that took place this year. God allowed us to launch another campus this year, right? So our Florence campus launched in February of this year. Y'all, they've grown 129% since January. I mean, since February. That's incredible. 
Amazing things are taking place in that. Um, we helped launch a church. We are giving to the Acts 2 Network, and the Acts 2 Network has launched its first ever international church in San Salvador, El Salvador, man. It's an amazing opportunity there. Um, watch this. This is cool. I had the opportunity to go and preach there in October, and um, they, had, that was a, they do a service once a month. At that service, and a friend of mine preached there um, this past month, and uh, October, November, and they had to pull out new chairs or more chairs at both of those experiences to fit people in the room in San Salvador, man. I, I love that we get to be a part of things like that. We've helped meet needs in Africa uh, to build social uh, economic and spiritual climates and atmospheres in those third world countries there through vapor ministries and we helped provide meals um, to refugees in Ukraine through Convoy of Hope. We've been so blessed to be a part of overseas things as much as anything. And watch this. We've also helped ministries in Israel this year. Uh, we've given thousands of dollars to help bless ministries in Israel to help reach people with the love of Jesus. And just in our community, right around where we are, this is incredible. This year alone, we've given away at least, probably over, but at least three thousand hot meals to families in 2022 2022 wow i love what we get to do here at radiate what a what a year what a ministry but i just want to tell you something it's just starting i really believe it's just starting i really believe those are floors not ceilings for us i really believe it, that's that's launching pads for what god wants to do through this because how many of you know that the more people that submit their lives to jesus right and give their abilities to be used for the gospel. How many of you know we should make even more impact next year? Come on. We should make even more. We shouldn't just sit back. So if we're growing, that means our impact should grow. That means we should be doing more than we've ever done every time that we grow. I want to ask you to do something just real quick. Um, I, I just want to ask you to pray. Here's what I want you to pray about. Number one, I want you to pray for the impact of what this church can do. But I also want you to pray if God would lead you to give an end-of-year offering. We do this each year, an end-of-year offering. Uh, and what does that look like? What would that be in, in your life? There's so many things that we want to do and that we have done. But, but how many of you know generosity paces vision? It sets the pace for the vision. And so we just want you to pray about that. I, listen, I'm not going to like judge you in the lobby if you do or don't give, right? But I want you to pray about what does it look like to be financially invested in the vision of what God's doing here. Let me get a couple things straight. Number one, we're not asking you to pray about this because we need bills paid. Our bills are paid, guys. You, we've been generous. God has been faithful. We're good. I'm not asking you to do this because we're going to shut the doors next month if it doesn't happen. I'm asking you to do this because I believe there's more ministry that needs to take place. And I'm asking you to pray about this, here's why too, because I believe there's no greater place to give any kind of finances than the local church. I believe 100% unapologetically the local church is the greatest organization that you can give to because it impacts the community that you call home and, watch this, it impacts the kingdom of God. And I don't know a greater thing that we can give to, amen, that impacts the kingdom of God. So me and my family, we give to multiple organizations, but we will always even when we weren't pastoring, we gave more to the local church than anywhere else because we believe in the local church. So I just want you to pray about that. 
And the few things that we're going to focus on in 2023 is we're going to look at some campus upgrades here in Columbia. We're going to look at what that looks like, fresh coats of paint, some other things like that. We're going to look at expansion opportunities. How many of you were here, well, maybe you were here several months ago when we started talking about looking for kids space and adding on to the back. Since that time, we've been meeting with contractors and engineers and things like that. Let me just tell you, the cost is not going to come out in the return for us for that. But what we are doing is meeting with other professionals right now. We actually had a meeting just a few days ago looking at other options to get kids space here because I don't know about you. I'm not okay just saying we have a packed kids ministry. There should have been more amens on that. I'll say it again. I'm not okay saying we just have a packed kids ministry, right? I think we need to create more room for more kids and more families to come and hear about Jesus, and we will do that. So we're chasing some of that down right now. So we're looking at expansion. We're looking at other campuses. How can we find, y'all, Florence has outgrown its, pl- its place already. In the next month and a half, they're going to have to probably go to two services. And so we're looking at what does that look like? We've got to find them more places. We've got to find us more space. It's, gonna, it's an amazing ride, but we want you to partner in with us. And then we want to partner in with discipleship opportunities, maybe opportunities for Ramsey Plus to get financial resources in people's hands to maybe it's teaching upgrades. Maybe you've gone through grief and there's a group that we can share and and invest in that helps you talk about that grief in a group that you can do life with. So here's my goal. Here's all I want from you. I just want you to pray and say, God, what would you have me give by the end of the year? Here's what I know. And there's some people that haven't given anything. That's fine. But I would ask, God, what's my next step? Just to give something. Some people, you give something. Maybe God's saying your next step is to begin tithing this month. For some of us, we tithe consistently. Maybe your next step is to give above and beyond. And some of you that give above and beyond, your next step is to, what a God, what is that stretching offering? And I just want you to ask God. Don't ask me. Don't ask me. Ask God. He's the one that's going to lead you in that, and I'm excited about what God is going to do as we end 2022 strong and go into 2023 even better. Anybody with me in the room for that? Come on. I'll be praying with you. My family's praying over that, and we're excited to be a part of what God's doing here. Now, we're going to get into the Word at this Tom, we're going to be in Luke chapter 1. We're in this series called Christmas at the Movies. Last week, the movie was The Grinch. I love that movie. It's hilarious to me. It trips me out. This week, as you saw with the conductor outside and the, and the hot chocolate and all the fun and stuff, this week we're talking about um, the Polar Express. How many of you have seen the Polar Express? Okay. So many hands. Can I just say what nobody else is going to say? That movie is weird. Anybody else? That movie's weird. I don't watch a lot of movies. So I watched it for maybe the second time in my life last week. And I looked at my wife at the end of it, and I was like, that is the weirdest movie I've seen in a long time. Why is that a Christmas classic? Like, people go, oh, it's Christmas. Let me watch a weird animated movie with the most annoying child in it. That kid on the train. Can I say something without y'all judging me? I want to punch that kid in the throat every time he comes on. (laughs) He drops me nuts y'all are like you're violent maybe i don't know i'll get counseling for it i'm fine you know but like it annoys the mess out of me but the story of the movie is is really good so if you haven't seen it it's about a boy that believes in santa but he doesn't believe in Santa. he's kind of on the fence a little bit and he goes to sleep and he gets on this train that shows up in his front yard he's just like hey you know what's a good idea get on a train with strangers and go to the north pole away from my house that's that's wise. Let's do that. 
And so he, <laughs> he gets on this, and there's like this series of events that takes place. And he experiences new people and experiences new experiences and on their way to the North Pole. And they get there, and as they're walking, they're led by a bell, and they hear the bell, and they're like, Santa! And he's like, I don't hear anything. Because they all hear this, and he hears nothing. He sees the bell moving, but he can't hear the bell shaking. He can't hear the bell making noise, and it is because he doesn't believe, and all these things are taking place. And then he experiences um, in the presence of Santa and all of his elves and people, and he begins to believe, and after he begins to believe, he can hear the bell again. And it's just like a heartwarming story. Like, I get why the story is popular around Christmas, the movie, whatever. But, no, I'm just kidding. But, like, all this stuff. But there's a, there's a quote about middle of the, of the movie that stuck with me, and I looked at my wife, and I was like, man, that is so many of us today in America. And it's this, this quote, it's a, a man on top of a train, first of all, that's why. How do you keep the, the fire lit on top of a train in the snow, right? And so you're, you're sitting there, and, and the man looks at the little boy, and he says, do you believe? The little boy gives him an answer, but here's what he says after that. He says, you want to believe, but you don't want to be bamboozled. And I was like, man, that is the state of so many of us in the world today. We want to believe. In fact, can I tell you, most of you are in the room today because at some capacity you want to believe. You want to believe God. You want to believe Jesus. You want to believe the Christmas story. You want to believe the promises of God. You want to believe those things. Most of you are here today because somebody invited you and you're like, I want to believe that. But there's this this skeptic on the back of our minds a lot of times it goes but I don't want to be bamboozled I don't want to be taken advantage of I don't want to be a fool at the end of this thing can I tell you it's better to be on the right side of being right than the wrong side of being right you know what I'm saying like it's better to get to the end of your life and be like oh man I guessed right I placed my faith in the right place than to go oh I wish I should have and that's where many of us are today in fact some of you walked in and, and you enjoyed the hot chocolate and you enjoyed the high fives and you've enjoyed the music and, 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 and all this and maybe give or take one or two, but you've been in this thing and you're like, I want to believe. I just don't want to be taken advantage of. I just don't want to be bamboozled. I just don't want the wool pulled over my eyes, if you will. And some of you, the reality is, is you hear people talking about, I've I've experienced God. I've heard God. God said, God this, God that. And you're like, I want to hear that. It sounds a lot like the movie. They're going, I heard the bell. I heard his voice. I heard his promise. I've read his word. I hear it. And then you're sitting back and going, I wish I could. And the difference isn't that God's cutting you off. The difference is, what do I believe? The difference is, I want to believe, but I don't want to be bamboozled. And what we're going to talk about after we read a portion of scripture today are four questions that everybody in the room has to answer. If we want to believe, if we want to hear the bell, if we want to, don't want to be bamboozled, then here's the truth. Watch this. There's four questions. You and I both, we all have to answer these questions. And they're questions that you're not going to answer in one single moment. They're questions that you've either been pondering on or you're going to have to ponder on. You're going to have to chew on. You're going to have to wrestle through a little bit. And I want to read in Luke chapter 1, verses 57 through 80. It's part of the uh, scripture of the Christmas story, and it picks up where we left off last week, where Zacharias and, and, and Elizabeth have been told they're going to have a baby, and his name will be 
John. Some of y'all are like, can I talk in church? This is Radiate Church. You can talk in church. We're good with that. His name will be John, which means grace of God. After 400 years of silence, the angel Gabriel shows up. He goes, Zechariah, you're going to have a child. He's like, I'm old. I can't even do child-bearing things anymore. And like all this stuff is taking place, and he doesn't, he doesn't believe. And so the angel tells him, because you don't believe, you're going to be silent until the baby is born. And so he comes around, he's got these promises, all this stuff's taking place, and that's where we left off last week. Well, we're going to pick up in verse 57 where John is now born. John has now been birthed. Zechariah, you're going to see a, a portion of scripture where his mouth is open and he begins to speak and he begins to speak prophecy. Watch this. Let's read this together. It says, now the time had come for Elizabeth to give birth and she gave birth to a son. Her neighbors and her relatives heard that the Lord had displayed his great mercy toward her and they were rejoicing with her. Can I stop right there and ask you a question? I'm not teaching on it. Just a question. When's the last time you celebrated somebody else's successes? Even when you may not have any. It's a sign of spiritual maturity, celebrating somebody else's successes. Let's keep going. Uh, verse 59. And it happened that on the eighth day they came to circumcise the child, and they were going to call him Zacharias after his father. That was a normal thing. Names are incredibly important in those days. And so, uh, but his mother answered and said, No, indeed, he shall be called what? John, grace of God. They said to her, there's nobody among your relatives who is called by that name. It, it was not un, unlike them to name a child after someone in their family, especially the father. It was Names were very beneficial and very important in that day. And she's like, no, we're going to name him John. They didn't understand that it had nothing to do with their family. It had everything to do with God. And they said to her, there's nobody uh, among your relatives. Verse 62, and they made signs to his father. Why did they make signs? Because he couldn't. Speak. He couldn't talk because he didn't believe the promises of God. See, you guys are memorizing the story. And, um, and as to what he wanted to call him, because he was the man of the house. He had the final say. And he asked for a tablet, and he grabbed his iPad and his Apple pencil. <laughs> Don't look. That's not in there. I made that part up. And he wrote as follows. His name is John. In other words, you're going to call him John. And they were all astonished. At once his mouth was open and his tongue loosed. And he began to speak in the praise of God. Watch this. When he declared the promise of God, his mouth was now loosed to speak the praise of God. Something began to take place internally in him. And when he allowed it to become external, it changed everything. Fear came on all those living around them, and all these matters were being talked about in the hill country of Judea. Can you imagine if you're sitting in a room with somebody that can't talk for years and now all of, or months, and now all of a sudden he can talk again? We would all be like, oh, that's incredible. Has he been faking the whole time? I don't understand. Facebook would blow up. Instagram would blow up. We'd talk about it to everybody, right? How many of you know that sometimes when you're going through something that seems a little unusual in your life, it's just God setting you up to make, a, uh, to make an impact for his glory? Because watch this. It says, and all who heard them kept them in mind, saying, what then will this child turn out to be? For the hand of the Lord was certainly on him. They had no doubt that now the Lord was involved. Why? Because of the miracle of the unusual that took place in Zacharias and John's life and Elizabeth. Now he begins to prophesy. Watch. Here's what he says. And his father Zacharias was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, saying, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited us and accomplished redemption for his people and has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of David his servant. 
as he spoke by the mouth of the holy prophets from old, salvation from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us, to show mercy toward our fathers and to remember his holy covenant, the oath which he swore to Abraham our father, to grant us that we, being rescued from the hand of our enemies, might serve him with fear of who's getting elected. Might serve him with fear of what others will say. No, might serve him what? Without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all of our days. Watch this verse 76. And you, child, will be called the prophet of the Most High. For you will go on before the Lord to prepare his ways. Now watch, he's saying who, Zach, uh, who John's going to be. He's basically telling people he's not the Messiah. But he's going to prepare the way for the Messiah. To give his people the knowledge of salvation by the forgiveness of their sins because of the tender mercy of our God which with, us, with, uh, with which the sunrise from on high will visit us to shine upon those who sit in darkness and the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace. And the child continued to grow and to become strong in spirit and he lived in the deserts until the day of his public appearance. There's four questions in this story and prophecy that you and I have to answer. I'm going to go through these quick, so you're going to want to write them down or go back and listen. Four questions we have to answer. The number one question is found in verses 68 and 69. It says, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited us and accomplished redemption for his people. And he has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of David, his servant. The first question we have to answer is this. What do you believe about your eternity? It's the first question we have to answer. What do you believe about your eternity? And here's the thing about that question. I can't answer that for you. Your grandparents can't answer that for you. Your parents can't answer that for you. High schoolers, middle schoolers, young adults, they can't answer it. Your life group leader cannot answer that for you. It's only a question you can answer. It's only a question you wrestle through. It's only a question that you pray through. What do you believe about your eternity? Now, in the prophecy, Zechariah uses two key words. Redemption and salvation. Redemption is this, the way God created a pathway to have relationship with us. That's redemption. Redemption is there's a debt that you and I cannot pay. But Jesus paid the debt or redeemed the debt that we have called sin. And he paid it, and we get to redeem it back to God in order to have relationship with him. See, here's the reality. God wants to be with us. God wants to dwell with his people. God wants to dwell with his children. All the way back to the Old Testament, he created way after way after way, temple after temple after tabernacle after place after Ark of the Covenant. Why? To dwell with his people. That's what God has always wanted. He wants to be with us, but he can't be involved in unholiness and sin. And so because of that, there has to be a redemption of those things from us so that he can be with us. Redemption pays the price for the divide between us and God to be, to be um, made up, to be bridged. That's what redemption is. Redemption is going, here is the payment of my sins in the name of Jesus. Now I want relationship with you. The other term there isn't redemption, it's salvation. Salvation is the reality that an eternity of separation from God does not have to be our destination. That's salvation. 
It's the reality that salvation is what happens when we have been saved from the separation of God, from God. When we've been saved, we've been saved and, and brought into a place to where I don't have to be separated from God for eternity. Because the truth is, we're all going to get to a place at the end of our lives where one truth or the other is going to win out. We're going to have eternal separation from God, or we're going to be eternally in his presence. That's the two options we get. Salvation makes it so that the destination of my life doesn't have to be salva- uh, separation, but it can be in the presence of. Are you with me today? And we can be brought back into the relationship with the Father. Now, Zechariah was teaching this to the Jewish people in that time. And now he's teaching to us this very thing that redemption and salvation is yours through the redemption of your sins through Christ Jesus. It is through the sacrifice of Jesus. In fact, in John chapter 14 and verse 6, it is said this way, that no one, not one single person comes to the Father except, watch this, through the Son, Jesus. You don't get to the Father by being a good person. You don't get to the Father by having morals. You don't get to the Father by voting a certain way. You don't get to the Father by posting a certain amount of things. Watch this. We get to a relationship with Father God. Why? Through the redemption and the sacrifice of Jesus' life on the cross that paid for our sin because God wants to dwell with us. That is how we get to the Father. It is not by saying, I go to church every week. Great, we should. The Bible tells us, don't forsake the gathering of the brothers. Why? Iron sharpens iron. We get better when we're together. But going to church is not salvation. Well, I give my tithe every week. Good, we should. It's a promise of God. It's something he's asked for. We should trust him with our finances. Great, that's awesome. But tithing is not salvation. I was baptized when I was a child. Great, we should be baptized. But baptism is an external expression of internal salvation. Baptism is not salvation. Salvation is only available through the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross who suffocated to death and he had a, peer, a, 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 a sword pierce his side and could not breathe any longer, t- nailed to a cross and he shouted to Telestai, it is finished. What is finished? Your salvation is now redeemed and it's over and you can be in relationship with God again through the sacrifice of Jesus. See, we have to answer the question, what do I believe about my eternity? What do you believe about your eternity? The second question is found in verses 73 through 75. It says, the oath which he swore, being God, to Abraham our father, to grant us that we, being rescued from the hand of our enemies, might serve him without fear, in holiness and righteousness before him all of our Days. Here's the second question we have to answer. What do we believe about the promises of God? What do we believe about our eternity? What do we believe about the promises of God? Again, Zacharias uses two very key statements and words in the middle of the prophecy, oath and covenant. He uses oath and covenant. Here's what you have to understand. An oath and a covenant are very similar. But a covenant is not me saying, hey, I'll give you $5 or $10 if you give me $5. No, that is an agreement. A covenant can never be reversed, can never be broken. That's why it is said in the Bible that when you get married, it's a covenant. Let what God has joined together, let what? No man tear apart. That's not just a phrase, that's biblical. Why? It's a covenant. You're making a covenant before God and before each other. Here's the reality. Watch this. Watch this. 
When God makes the covenant with Abraham, he's not looking to break it. He's looking to fulfill it. God doesn't make promise. I don't know if anybody heard me when I said that. When God makes a promise, he's not trying to break it. He's trying to fulfill it. He's not looking for a way out. He's looking for a way in. He's trying to make it a reality in our lives. And he goes, hey, listen, there's an oath, there's a covenant. And Zacharias is reminding people that this, the birth of John and the coming of the Messiah should not be a shock. It shouldn't be a shock. It's been talked about. It's been promised. It's been prophesied about even after Abraham. All these things have taken place. It shouldn't be a shock. He's literally said it was coming for a long time. But why does he have to remind them? Because they just exited what? The intertestamental period which is 400 years of silence. How many of you know that if I left here today, and this is the last time you saw me for four years, you'd forget what I sound like. I know you'd be heartbroken. Y'all didn't have to laugh that hard. <laughs> Great day. You'd forget what I look like. You'd forget what I sound like. You'd forget my last sermon. You'd forget the promises I made in this. You'd forget that I talked about this is what we're going to chase next year, and this is what we're going for. You'd forget about the statistics that we celebrated, all these things. Why? Because silence creates distance. And we forget about what took place. And Zacharias is going, I know he's been quiet for 400 years, but I need to remind you of what he said a long time ago. Because what he said a long time ago, he's the same God yesterday, today, and forever. And the promises he made to Abraham are still active and available to you today. And you need to be reminded that it is only through the oath and the covenant that he made with Abraham that now you and I have the promises of God and the promise of salvation and redemption through Jesus Christ. That is what we have. He's reminding them. He's going, God's promises are true. It is essentially... It is essentially Zechariah standing up and going, I believe the promises of God. I want you to believe them with me. I want you to walk them out with me. Here's the issue, though. Here's why, why we have to answer the question. Because if I believe the promises of God are for you and not me, I won't declare the promises. I won't know the promises. I won't even care about the promises. Why? Because it's for you. It ain't for me. It's, I, it's, it's, that's your business. That's not my business. Why would I declare your promise? But when I read the Bible and I understand that the promises are for me too. How many of you understand that the promises God makes about a godly marriage is for your marriage, not just everybody else's? The promises God makes about your eternity and your salvation are for you, not just everybody else. Come on. The promises that God makes about your kids are not just for everybody else. They're for you too. Because when I believe that they're about me as well, then I know those promises. And I pray over those promises. And I declare those promises. And I work those promises. And I do my part of the promise in order to see God's promise come to work. What do I believe about the promises of God? Here's question number three. I'm going quick. Verses 76 and 77 says, And you, child, will be called the prophet of the Most High. For you will go on before the Lord to prepare his ways, to give, well, I'm going too far. Nope, I'm good. To give to his people the knowledge of salvation by the forgiveness of their sins. Question number three, what do you believe about the next generation? What do you believe about the next generation? Well, they're a burden. No, they're not. They're a blessing. You got to understand the next generation is a legacy we get to live. The kids, whether they're yours or whether you're an aunt or an uncle or whether you work in Radiate Kids and you don't have your own kids, but you're pastoring and ministering to those kids and you're loving on them, it doesn't matter. The kids, the next generation, the high schoolers, the middle schoolers, the young adults, the children that we get to impact today, watch this, are a blessing and it's a legacy for the kingdom of God. 
every chance. What do you believe about the next generation? I love that Zacharias is publicly speaking a prophecy over his son. He's saying, you're going to be great, John. But he's not making this up. He's only, he's only repeating what the angels already told him. Go read that and then go read what we read last week. And if you weren't here last week, go listen to it. And you'll see John, um, uh, Zacharias is repeating the promises that, that angel Gabriel gave him about John. What are you repeating over your kids? What are you repeating over the next generation? See, that is why at Radiate Church, we are unapologetically always going to be about the next generation. We're always unapologetically going to give massive resources and time to radiate kids and to tribe students, to middle school and high school students. You know why we're going to do that? Because we're not trying to have a babysitting service up in this church so that you can come in here without your kids and listen to a service. We're trying to raise world changers that believe Jesus. I don't know about you, but if you watch the world enough and you see what's going on in the world, there's enough people telling them how to filter everything that they experience through a worldview and not enough people telling them how to filter it through God's view and through the gospel and through him. And I'm telling you, that's what we're trying to do at Radiate Church. I will unapologetically stand on that. And the truth is, that's why we're bringing kids up here on Sunday. It's not just so you can bring your moms and your dads and their grandmas and their grandpas and aunts and uncles and see them sing. No, we want you to experience worship with them. Because I want you to understand, when we're singing, they're singing. When we're in here worshiping with our hands lifted high, I've seen videos of my kids doing it. They're back there with their hands lifted high. When you're praying, they're praying for you. I see the prayer requests for you. That's the next generation. What do you believe about them? Zacharias believed that John would be the next generation of God's lineage and make an impact in the world. The last question as we wrap up right here is found in verses 78 and 79. Because of the tender mercy of our God, with which the sunrise from on high will visit us. He's not talking about John anymore, is he? Who's he talking about? Jesus. To shine upon those who sit in the darkness, in the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the way of peace. He's saying John's not going to be the one to do that. He's going to prepare the way. For the one that will. And his name is Jesus. Last question. Most important question. We all have to answer is this. What do you believe about Jesus? Is Jesus just a cool story around December every year? Is Jesus just a way that we don't have to burn in hell for eternity? Is Jesus just a way that makes us, uh, helps us fulfill all of our passions and all of our pur purposes in life? Is Jesus just a behavior modification tool? Or is Jesus the Messiah of our life? Is he the one that was sent to redeem us back to relationship with God? What do you believe about Jesus? Because what you believe about Jesus will determine the rest of the answers. What you believe about Jesus determines your life. It determines how you treat others. It determines how you treat church. It determines how you treat your, your family. It determines how you treat his word. What do you believe about Jesus? As for me, I answered this question years ago. And I came to the decision that he wasn't just a message. He's the Messiah. See, Jesus wasn't just a good story that I got to tell. He's the savior of our lives. 
See, Jesus wasn't someone that just hung on a cross that's a good piece of fictional history or walked the earth and was a good man. No, see, he was the prophet that came, and he was the only perfect sinless man, the, 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 the spotless lamb that came, and he lived this life, and he became the sacrifice that he needed to be in order to redeem me back to Father God because God wants to dwell in my presence for whatever reason, this sinful man that I am. He wants me back in relationship with him, and Jesus was the answer for that. See, that was my answer. But I can't make that decision for you. And here's what I know. Is he's ringing the bell. He's speaking to us all. There's nobody in this room more holy than you that he's speaking to them and not you. The question isn't, is he speaking? The question isn't, is the bell ringing? The question is, do I believe? Because belief is what allows me to hear the voice and encounter his presence and walk in the power of his spirit. What do I believe about Jesus? Here's what I know. There was two people at the 830 service this morning that gave their life to Jesus and decided what they believed about Jesus today. There's two people that raised their hand and said, I want resources, I want a Bible, I want somebody to connect with so that I can live this out and I can live for Jesus every day because they decided he wasn't just a, a story or a message. He was the Messiah and the Savior. And hear me today. You're going to have to answer these questions. My goal is not to answer the questions for you today. My goal is to give you questions and details that when you go home, you wrestle through these. Can I tell you what my prayer has been? Some of you are going to get mad at me about this prayer. That these questions would actually make you uncomfortable. Because we have to answer them, y'all. I do too. We all do. What I'd love to do is pray for you. We're going to pray. We're going to pray for anybody that wants to give their life to Jesus today. We're going to pray over everybody. And then I got one piece of information I want to give you. And then we're going to walk out of these doors. And we do not leave the gospel in the, door, in the, in the facility, do we? When we leave, we walk out of here and we live it with everybody we see. We're not perfect at it. We all have our past and we all have our problems but we live the gospel of Jesus everywhere we go. Would you bow your heads with me? I'd love to pray with you at this time. If you're in here and you want to, our, our teams are getting ready to serve you right after prayer today. But if you're in here and you're ready to give your life to Jesus today, I'm going to lead us in a prayer and I just want you to do something. I just want you to pray it right where you're at. Dear Jesus, I give you my life. I ask that you forgive my past Forgive my future or my present and redeem my future. I give you all that I have. I'm not going to be a perfect man. I'm not going to be a perfect woman. I'm not going to be perfect in any of it. But I do want to live for you. And I thank you for dying on that cross to redeem my life back to a relationship with God. Thank you for making room for me in the family of God today as I give you my life. As everyone's still praying and focusing on God, if you prayed that prayer and you, give your, you gave your life to Jesus today, the Bible tells us if we confess with our mouths and believe with our heart, then we shall be saved. It's not the prayer that saves you, it's the heart posture. It's the submission. If you gave your life to Jesus today and you're, you're ready to submit your life and you prayed that prayer, would you just hold your hand up right where you are? I'm not calling you out. I'm not calling you up. 
what I want to do is I just want to get some information so we can walk this out. Just hold your hand right where you are. We'd love to put a clipboard in your hand so we can walk this out. Amen. God, we love you. I thank you so much that you love us so much. You just want to be in our presence. You want to be with us. I thank you that there's so much depth to the story of Christmas that we can dig in and we can learn more about you. Help us answer the questions that have been presented to us. Help us realize where we stand on these things and what we believe. Let them make us uncomfortable as we dive in and we hear your voice. God, we love you. We honor you. In your name we pray. Amen. Can we put our hands together for some life change in the room today? One more quick thing. Thank you again for being here. On your seats, you'll see a card that looks like this. And then on the back, it looks like this. Here's what I want you to do. We got Christmas at Radiate coming up on December the 18th and our candlelight experiences. We just want you want to ask you to go home and think about this. Don't forget to do it. And write down five names of people you'd like to invite. Grab your invite cards each and every Sunday. We're passing out invite cards at the door on your way out. Don't skip those. Grab those. Hand those out. And let's make it a point. I'm going to be praying over these with you. And let's make it a point to invite these five people to come and join us at Christmas at Radiate this year during one of our experiences and meet the love of Jesus. Jesus this Christmas. Amen. Hey, I love you guys. We got a phrase we say here each and every week. I love you. I'll see you next week. Ready eight? Let's go change the world. I'll see you next Sunday. Love you guys.